0: I think if you're always needing to be there, whether it's conscious or unconscious, you know, as you said, holding the hand of your client, it comes from your own perceptions of what it means to be a coach.
1: Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavalletta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of How Do You Feel? This week, I brought to the table a topic that I've been thinking about for the last couple of months now. The reason I've been thinking about it is because I've been following a very structured four day a week program written for me by another coach since July. Now in the past, I've followed programs, I've had programming done for me, but this time felt a little bit different because of how regimented I've been with making sure that I'm training four days a week and getting those workouts in as close to the way that they're written as possible. One of the things that I value is this idea of intuitive movement, listening to my body and understanding the movement that my body needs on a given day to make it feel good. So how do those two things fit together? I haven't really been leaving days in the gym that are quote unquote play days or days where I really just don't have a plan and can move however feels interesting or I think might feel good that day. But in reflecting upon this, I realized that it is possible to still value intuitive movement within the scope of a structured program. So that is the topic that we're discussing on the podcast this week. What is intuitive movement? How do we define it? And what are the ways that it shows up in our training? What is the value of following a consistent structured program? And then how do those two concepts come together as one? I brought back a guest that I had earlier this year on the podcast, Paul Hines, because he expressed interest in this topic as well. So I thought it would be fun to bring him back on to discuss it with him. I'm so glad I did because Paul shares some awesome points on these topics. And I think you all are really going to enjoy this conversation. As a reminder, Paul is a strength and conditioning coach as well as a personal trainer in Toronto. He's a former art school nerd, but has now found his calling in fitness and he holds certifications through Strong First and he also competes in powerlifting. I always appreciate Paul's thoughts and insights he has a ton of experience in fitness especially in training beginners and i always appreciate how he orients himself to thinking about how can a beginner relate to and understand this topic so without further ado here is my conversation on intuitive movement and structured programming with paul heinz hi paul welcome back to the how do you feel podcast
0: i'm very
1: excited to get to talk to you on the podcast for a second time thanks for coming back on
0: Thanks for having me, Casey.
1: So we're here to talk about more of a specific topic this time because I threw this topic out on social media and it was clear that you have a lot of awesome thoughts on the subject matter. So today what we're going to talk about is intuitive movement versus structured programming. How those two things seem to differ, but also how they can go hand in hand. Because I think that you echo the opinion that I have that I value both of those things Very highly. And so I think we're going to talk about some of the nuances of how those things can really fit together. Okay. So to start things off, let's talk about intuitive movement. How would you define intuitive movement?
0: Yeah, good question. Um, That's the good place to start this whole discussion because you really, when you're discussing topics like these that really don't have a clear Single definition. A lot of it is up to people's interpretation of how they see words like intuitive or structure or you know any of the terms we're going to discuss. So for me, I mean, I could easily go and say, oh, intuitive for me is something like that looks very like I don't know animal flow or like anything that is relatively unstructured or um, you, you're kind of just going based off your intuition and your feel on the day, and it doesn't look like. Anything structure in particular, but I wouldn't really be honest if I said that, because for me, um, intuitive movement is anything where you're being mindful and intentional and deliberate about what you're doing. And you're actually tuned in rather than tuned out. So, you know, I don't want to end the podcast right there because that.
1: <laughs> Shortest, how do you feel podcast episode ever? <laughs> no, I love that, though. And I love how inclusive that is. I think that that's what we're going to talk about and that that can fit into any kind of program, any kind of structured workout that you're doing. There's this glorified idea when, when I think of intuitive movement of like, you know, like you said, animal flow or something yoga flowy or mobility and just moving into the positions that feel right to you at that point. But similarly, I do that Rarely, like that's not actually the type of movement that I engage in more often than not. Yet I sit here and say, I really value being intuitive with my training. <laughs> it definitely does not end with that sort of glorified concept that we have. And it, it can absolutely work into the gym and the ways that, that we train. So when we think about a program, a structured program, we're trainers, so we write programs for our clients. Why is it important for you to follow a structured program and for you to write programs for your clients? Like what's the the big value of programming?
0: I mean, yeah, as we're both coaches, I think we'll, uh, we'll each have our own opinions about this and, and any coach listening to this will also probably have their own opinions about why it's important to follow um, a structured program. For me, uh, the main thing, which is inherently in the name is that it gives you a format or a system to kind of follow and, this is, a, there's a second part of this discussion where I might touch on like who it's more appropriate for. But the first thing I'll do is just to kind of define what I look, what I think about when I think about a structured program. So usually it's it, taking into account, obviously your goals, your, the timeline and the time that you have to work with, uh, your limitations, your starting point, like where you are right now. Um, and then it gives you a, a structure or a schedule that you can follow that if you keep to it will increase the likelihood of you reaching that goal within the timeframe that you've allotted. Now, obviously there's things like expectation setting, um, dealing with life coming up and like interruptions, injuries, things that happen to everyone in real life that people don't talk about on social media a lot that it can really get in the way of like, um, you know, sticking to the program. You know, if you have kids getting four hours of sleep and then expecting to perform really well the next day on this program that told you, you have to lift this much in this day may be challenging. Um, But by and large, uh, I think a structured program should help you maintain the most important thing, which is consistency.
1: Yeah, 100%. It gives you this path to move towards a goal. It allows you to create the structure, the process of how will I reach this goal that I have in mind. So I think it's extremely beneficial, especially for people who do have those clear defined goals and not all of us do. And that's also okay. Like someone's goal might be just to consistently move their body three times a week and that's it. And that's also so valid, right? But I think when we have these more defined goals of how you wanna lift or how you wanna feel or what you wanna strengthen, then a program is almost a requirement if you want to get there in a way that's somewhat efficient, I would say.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and you brought up a really good point, which is like, if your goals are very general, then really any program will do. Because if your goal is just to maintain consistency of movement, like getting a bit of movement every day, well, then finding a program or a structure that allows you to do that is the best thing for you
1: at that point, if that is your goal, do you even need a program at that point?
0: That's, that's the question, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's still a bit of buy-in that comes with having a program uh, on the person, on the side of the person who's doing it. So I think you're more likely to do something that you've invested some time or, you know, money um, or energy already into. So in that regard, like, you know, why do people make to-do lists? Why can't they just remember it all in their head? Well, because writing something down and then getting to check it off is very, very satisfying to like some part of our psyche that like needs that little reward that like, oh, I did this. So I think in some ways a program can function that way, even for people whose goals are very, very general. But a program is also really good at helping uh, beginners, for example, figure out like what does training look like? Like what does training towards this goal look like? And if your knowledge base is very, very low, it's actually very, very valuable to have some structure to follow. Like, you know, I'm not a great cook. I'm not going to be a chef, you know, so I'll follow recipes. Now if I follow enough recipes and I get in the kitchen enough and I practice my skills, maybe one day I can actually put together a meal on my own that actually tastes halfway decent, you know, but I've still got to probably get in the kitchen consistently and go through enough recipes and cook those recipes and make sure that I don't get food poisoning or something so that i can one day say i can create my own thing and that that's how you can look at a program too it's a, it's a recipe to follow and then eventually you learn what ingredients in that program you like what ones you don't um you know what you have access to what's really challenging for you to do cuz you just don't have the skill set or even the opportunity to, like you don't have a fully stocked gym that requires this one piece of equipment in the program and then eventually if you keep doing that you should learn enough that you know, you can help, you can know with more certainty, I guess, what kind of program or what things in a program will work for you.
1: That's a great point. I love that analogy. And in that way, the program programming sort of becomes a curriculum for you learning. So now we're going to learn the basics of these types of movements. And now we're going to learn the basics of these other movements. And now we're going to learn what it feels like to decrease the reps on that, or increase the reps on that, or do this variation, right? Yep. And so it, it's a, actually kind of a cool systematic way for you to learn yep. training. I think that's a I think that's a really cool way to look at it. And I yeah. would one hundred percent recommend. Like for a long time, I was a class person. Like when I first got into fitness, I just did classes as my workouts, like five or six days a week. So very unstructured lots of random movements, lots of random stimuli in my body. And the first time that I finally started following a program, it was insanely powerful because I got to track my progress. And it was cool because all of a sudden I had these routes open of like, okay, this is what my squat is at now. If I continue doing this program thing, I could see how it goes up. Versus in yeah. class, like I didn't remember what weights I had been using before and like within a circuit, you know, it's just so discombobulated when you're doing classes all the time. And then I think it's, it's a cool thing when you just learn how it feels to have that kind of structure to follow and you see the progress that you can make.
0: Yeah. It gamifies it, right? Like, you know, it, it gives you like a different way of looking at fitness other than just in the immediate moment, how it makes you feel. Although that is important. Um, but a lot of the times with, and not to disparage classes at all, they're fantastic. I'm a big proponent of anything that gets people moving and into a consistent habit of, you know, challenging their body. Fantastic,
1: 100%. Yeah,
0: but I would put that under the more general category. If your goal is just to move generally, then classes are probably a really good fit for you, and you're going to get most of those boxes ticked that you want with regards to your your health and your movement and your fitness. Mm-hmm. The moment you decide, I want to, I want to maybe see changes in this specific area well then you need a more specific approach and a, and a program should help you do that
1: mm-hmm. and it
0: should also help you uh, maintain momentum and like consistency so you know if your program or your class or whatever is you're constantly running to issues where you're uh you're getting hurt or you're getting stuff tweaked or you know you're just having these giant you know Uh, increases in in fitness followed by a sharp decrease because you have to take a break. Well, then maybe the program is the thing that you need to adjust or your schedule is the thing you need to adjust. Um, Because if anything, if the program's not helping you maintain consistency, it's actually more of a burden. And I know this from working with clients who um, will feel bad about not being able to stick to something is the right amount when life stressors are low and everything's kosher. But the moment that, you know, they, their kid gets sick or a life emergency comes up or something like that, they can no longer maintain that routine. And then instead of adjusting it, they just, I, I can't do that right now. And then they feel bad about it. So.
1: Yeah. So this is where the intuitive piece starts to work in because yes, a program is a program, but like life happens. And so a, one mm-hmm. program, as you're saying, that's right for you at a certain time in your life, isn't necessarily right at another time in your life. And so having those skills to not feel like it's a requirement that I do this type of program at all times, I think is very yeah. important. And that's when fitness becomes an enhancer for your life at all times and not something that's a burden in the stressful times, like adding to this bucket of stress.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I think interestingly, you said, you said something that kind of triggered my brain to think about this Um when I started following a program, it actually was a bit liberating in that, see, it, it does allow you to see the big picture, as you said. And therefore, like I understood the roadmap so much more. And if I didn't perform at my best in one specific workout, I was actually much more accepting of that when I had the program and saying like, well, I'm in this for the long haul and I've got two or three more weeks on this movement. And like, yeah. so I'm good as opposed to When I used to do classes or one-off workouts, it was almost like every workout had to be my best because I didn't understand the the, the overall process. So it allows you to zoom out a little bit and see kind of a bigger picture of where where am I headed for the long run as opposed to in this specific workout.
0: I think that's a really good point. And um, I think part of that comes down to expectation setting, like the expectations that you have going into a structured program. And I find this a lot with clients who've come from classes or come from more circuit-based training where you have to almost set the tone and say, listen, this is a process that we're going to start you here and then build you into doing more over time. And and we can't necessarily predict exactly what the path is going to look like, but I can say that we have a system or way of dealing with stuff and making sure that you're moving towards those goals. You won't, You know, if you're a beginner, you'll probably PR every single workout when you're in the gym, because that's usually what happens. Um, And I tell them the moment you stop, that stops happening is not a sign to get distressed. It's actually a sign to celebrate because like you're no longer a beginner now. You actually have to like pay more attention to things like your recovery, your consistency, your nutrition, because those things are just going to matter way more to continue to allow you making progress than they did at the beginning where you could kind of just show up three times a week and maybe have slept five hours and still hit a PR and even something like rest periods. Like I find it's very, very common. I don't know if you've run into this where people will come in and they it's, it's almost like a conversation in itself to teach them kind of why rest is important
1: because they're
0: like, they're just ready to go. Like, give me the first exercise, give me the second exercise, give me the third one. And then it's like, okay, well, maybe that's not a conversation right now because you're not lifting heavy enough to require you to rest. And that's fine. But eventually, and I do tell my clients this, like you will need to rest more. You will not be able to maintain this tempo, uh, lifting heavier and heavier loads. And that's okay. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means you want to, The simple explanations: you want to lift more, rest more go watch any powerlifting meet or Olympic lifting meet or or strongman competition, or even sprinters, they're doing like one bout of high effort. And then they're resting for like five to seven minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, that might be you if you really want to get stronger, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's shifting that mentality. I think from the just like do more is always better to understanding we're maximizing quality. Yeah. We allow ourselves to take that rest. Okay, Paul. So let's say that we're following a structured program. We have our programming for four weeks, let's say. What are the ways in which your intuition plays a role in how you approach that program? Like, what are some of the factors in which you would say, this is how you can be intuitive as you follow this structured program that you have?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Because again, you're you're just talking about blending the two together, how it's not one or the other, but you can practice listening to your intuition or listening to your body when you're on a structured program. Um, and I think, like you mentioned earlier, the education piece is huge. Like if your program is not only training you, but also teaching you as you're doing it, some of these lessons might actually start to happen um, either because of the way your coach is, is coaching you or the way that they're programming, the way that they set up the, the format of the, of the program itself the sequence of the exercises you can you can do a lot of teaching without saying a lot of words so there's there's that aspect of it um it definitely plays a role but as far as the things you can do to like help develop that side of of training simple things like doing check-ins when you come into the gym you don't have to necessarily write anything down but just taking note of how recovered am i how how stressed am i you know what's my where's my head at am i actually ready to to do this right now like how are my energy levels mm-hmm. even just doing that can start to get the wheels turning a little bit in terms of you just doing a self assessment before you actually hop into your workout and it it's not going to be a necessary guarantee of anything like lord knows we've probably both had sessions where we walk into the gym like i feel like garbage today like and then you end up getting into your warm up and you actually have a pretty decent to good workout you know so it's not always a guarantee that something's going to be good or bad because of the way you feel at the start of the workout, but it does give you just this quick little check in to go, okay, I need to take note of this and then I'm still going to proceed with my action step. Yeah. So that's number one. Uh, number two is rating how sets feel after you did them. Um, simple tools that I'll use a lot is just reps and reserve and uh, RPE with mm-hmm. clients, which is rate of perceived exertion. Now, you have to know when to use this. Um, You can't just throw it at a a rank beginner who maybe is just focusing on the simple points of the technique of the squat you just taught them. But it's not a bad thing to start throwing it in, like how many more reps do you think you could have done at the end of that set, you know, and getting them to go, oh, maybe only two. And then you ask them that enough times and then you give them a a say in, are we going up in load or not? you know, do you feel like you're at your max today? Or do you feel like there's room for you to increase the load? And just because you're involving them in that process, you're, you're going to get them thinking about, Oh, no, I actually can go up one of these days. Maybe they come in and they do the same squat they've always been doing. Normally that load is a, you know, they only have two reps in the tank, they say, and now they're like, I could actually do three or four. Um, and then there's an opportunity to say, okay, maybe we can increase the low neck set, which is really cool. Cause then they actually were the ones to admit that that's possible. I wasn't telling them (laughs) like, you, you go up and wait now because I'm the coach, you know, yeah. there's that, that I definitely do a lot of, um, with people and then just other, other ways of checking in and just how does the movement feel? Where do you feel it? What muscles are working? Like when you're doing this? Um, and again, you gotta be strategic with how many questions you're asking Mm -hmm. because, a lot of this stuff will be answered just by them going through the program and doing the movements and getting the reps in. You don't have to ha- have them answer all these questions right away. So you can spread it out over time, because if it is a process, like you're saying, you don't have to have all the, all the knowledge downloaded into your brain right away. Like in the matrix, you're, you're going to take time to like learn one little tidbit and then practice that. And then maybe learn another little tidbit and then practice that. But the the glue that holds it all together is, you getting in the gym and actually training.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I agree with all of those. I love all of those examples. It's, it's the check-ins along the way to, to start helping people to think, how am I feeling right now? What, what's my capacity right now? Is anything feeling off right now? And even that level of focus, I love that you mentioned that as well. Are you mentally ready to take on your training for today? And sometimes that might be not so much, you know? I think the other place where personally I incorporate this a lot is in my movement prep. So I think it's something I've been working on, but this ability to walk into the gym and say, what does my body need to get ready to train the way I want to today? And that can be very different day to day based on what I've been doing, what postures I've been in for a lot of the day, if anything feels extra tight or sore, um, and I think being able to dial in and give your body what it needs to get ready as well is also a very, it's a very intuitive piece and you have to build up that skill to yep. be able to listen.
0: For sure. Um, and that even goes into like your warm-ups, you know, like how do you warm up for a set of this exercise? You talk to power Thirst from West side and they'll be like, there were guys who would start with the bar and that well they all start with the bar but like they'd be bench pressing the bar for like eight or ten sets because something just didn't feel right yet mm. and so this idea that the warm-up is always going to be the same or like it's always going to take this long or everyone's warm-up is the same like the time it actually doesn't hold up in research too like there's some good interesting stuff on people who have different levels of readiness just because of their livelihoods of their jobs like navy seals and special forces and stuff need a lot less time to warm up than you or I that like are at now or desks for most of the day. Um, And that just makes it even more important to individualize that process and say, you know what, there's no, like the, I'm not the one pressuring you. If you don't feel ready to do this yet, you need to take another set or you need to do another exercise. Like that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing that you're recognizing those things. As long as at the end of all that, you do feel ready to train because it's easy, I think, also to get into the, um, the spiral of like, I need to feel 100% ready. Mm. before I do anything. And it's like, you're never going to feel a hundred percent ready. I don't think, you know, most of the workouts you're going to do, you're probably going to feel like maybe 70 or 80% of the way there. And then you just got to start doing the thing and stuff will shake out as you go along.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's definitely true. What is your saying that programs are not written in permanent marker? They're written in pencil. Yeah. Yeah. So i think uh, a- I,
0: I'm, I'm probably sure I've, I've read it somewhere and like paraphrased it but yeah
1: it's also so important to but- realize that the program that you've written you can also scrap the whole thing like depending on the day there are potentially times when what you've written isn't going to work on that day for whatever reason and so i think having that dialogue with your client trusting them them trusting you to be able to change things on the fly is also a really a really crucial thing and that doesn't happen that often right it's not like we're throwing out workouts once or twice a week it's that odd time when you're coming in on a monday morning after you were at a wedding all weekend and you had to fly back and you know you're not you're dehydrated and not feeling like you slept that's the time when you go okay this is the time when we can when we can change the plan that we had And otherwise, Mm -hmm. like other times, obviously, like you're trying to, to build in that consistency, but you have to be okay to erase it.
0: For sure. And, and, you know, the thing I try to keep in mind, like, yeah, it's okay to, to call an audible and, and throw the whole thing out. It's also okay to say what movements are likely going to be good to keep in and probably perfectly fine. You know, if someone comes in and like, you know, we touched on this in like the previous podcast we did about injury and pain, it's like someone comes in and they hurt their foot well, they had a bunch of upper body stuff planned for the day. They don't need to throw that all out. You can probably still do it, you know, take what is useful for you that day and do that and then get rid of the stuff that's not going to be useful for you that day. Not, not in general, but just that day. And then maybe put that on the sidelines and maybe add in some stuff that is maybe going to be helpful for you right now to help you perform to your best ability.
1: Yeah. Paul, I see you as someone based on the way that you talk and based on the way that you interact with your clients as someone that's very much about empowering your clients to have the skills to be able to do this stuff for a lifetime, instead of sort of being the coach that holds their hand the whole way and says, no, I think you should go up now, or I think you shouldn't, you know, you're, you're very much about empowering your clients. Why is that such an important mindset for a coach to have?
0: I think the, the biggest thing is that it puts a spotlight on your client as opposed to yourself. I think if you're always needing to be there, whether it's conscious or unconscious, you know, so as you said, holding the hand of your client, it comes from your own perceptions of what it means to be a coach, you know, and what it means to be a teacher or educator, or whatever you call yourself, where if I'm not constantly telling you what to do all the time, I'm not providing value. I'm not doing my job, so to speak. Mm. Um, as opposed to saying, what is the the true role of an educator or the true role of a coach is to make people better people. And you don't do that by making them dependent on other people all the time for everything. You do that by giving them the tools and the and the skill and the and you know the the um, the confidence to take on challenges. That maybe they were not ready to before, not able to before, to solve puzzles and problems that they couldn't do when they first started, right? To leave the experience as like a better, more capable human being, right? Because the more we people we have like that in the world, the better the world's going to be. And this is a very you know big picture thing, like you know, yes, it's just strength training in the gym or whatever it is your is in your practice, but I firmly believe that you sh- people should become better people in. A kind of a myriad of ways as a result of working with a good a good trainer coach sure but like also a good educator like we've probably both had teachers and professors in our in our actual formal education that really left a really powerful mark um, on us and impacted you know our trajectory in life and how we see ourselves and what we're now willing to do because we met them Um, I think it's the same thing you know you like the difference between a good coach and a bad coach well a good coach is you're probably going to want to do more of the stuff that they taught you after working with them you know or or at least stay on some path like that if it, if they're maybe not as good of a coach maybe you, you hate your experience maybe you don't want to do that anymore and again training is a, is a luxury and a privilege for most of us that you know live in north america but it's something to keep in mind that like you know the, the lens through which you view this stuff is going to be heavily impacted by who taught you this stuff. So the thing I always try to keep in mind is like, what messaging am I sending? Like how am I coming across when I'm teaching this stuff and what kind of impression am I going to leave on someone that if they, you know, will they want to train for the next 50 years or, or just move their body in some way or just make that a part of a habit? Cause that's going to improve their quality of life way more than if, they hated the experience because of the way that I was teaching it or how I was pushing them. And I was being the locus of control. That's not going to happen. They're not going to walk away with a, with a, not only a good experience in the moment, but then like long-term the habit of this is part of me now. Like I'm someone who trains and moves my body and I'm a better human being because of it.
1: It both allow, like if, if you provide that positive empowering experience as you're saying, it both allows them to take that throughout the rest of their life, but also allows them to take that empowerment and that realization of I went through a process and learned something. And now I have the skills and the volition to do it myself. And that permeates to all the other parts of your life. That is powerful. Like that is how we change the way people navigate their lives. And so I think it's a, it's a very unique position that we're in as coaches, but you're right. It can't be about the coach. Like if that is your goal, it's Mm -hmm. not about you and it's not about the value that you get to provide to the client. It's about what is the client's journey and the client's experience and how are you empowering them with the skills? I think it's an important thing for coaches to hear because it's a, it's a huge
0: difference. For sure. And it's so contrary to a lot of the messaging that is targeted at trainers and coaches who are up and coming that flies in the face of stuff you're going to tell your clients. You know, we tell, we tell our clients it's all about the process, but then we want to come across like we're the expert and we know everything like right now, or we always want to be in control, you know, and we tell clients not get hung up on setbacks, but look for the positive look at the right spot. And then we, we go and we're like, Oh, I'm not at this level yet. As a, as a coach, why am I not getting, why are these things not happening to me? And it's like, you got to apply the same kind of process to yourself that you're going to hopefully be, a, be helping your clients understand through working with them. I mean, success leaves clues, right? If, if someone's been successful in some arena, it's probably cause they've done a lot of things reasonably well over time. You can probably learn a lot of lessons from that. Um, but you can't learn those lessons if you're too busy, focusing on, you know, wh- why are, why are these things not happening to me or wh- why am I not at this place? instead of like, how can I get to this place? Like start to change your mindset a little bit.
1: Yes. You're a better leader if you practice what you preach. And I think when we say that, sometimes we think as a fitness professional, that just means that I need to be working out and I need to be (laughs) posting it on social media to show the world and and inspire others to do the same, but that's not it. It's the process. It's the process of, we're teaching people to better themselves. So you've got to live it too. And that's what makes you a better leader in my opinion. Yeah,
0: Yeah, for sure. And that also means that you're also uh, honest and, you know, you are aware that there's going to be hiccups and problems and puzzles that you've got to solve. And that's part of the process too. It's not, you know, it's not all highlight reels and PRs all day. Like you post on Instagram, right? A lot of you know, I, I have this thing where I'm like, you know, Instagram training is not real training. Like there's, you know, you, you see everyone's um, highlights, their PR videos, they're nicely done, done up photos and everything. And you're like, you know, but, but you don't see like clients coming in, you know, after throwing their back out, you know, you don't see clients coming in after six months off because they had a a death in the family they had to deal with. Mm -hmm. You don't see, um, hiccups and interruptions and children getting the way and and losing jobs and, and all this stuff that like is part of the whole experience that like, you're going to help people navigate if you are working with them as a coach or as a trainer. And I think that's needs to be stated that like, you know, what you see is not the only thing that exists. Um, in this sphere. There's a lot of stuff that happens, a lot of work that gets done that no one notices, but you. And that's, that's, that's great. Like that's the work that really matters.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we can't say it enough because we sit on Instagram for how many hours a day. And so that's, what's infiltrating our brains. So I don't think we can talk about it enough that, <laughs> that is highlight real, that is not yeah. real life, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah and just realize that it's a, it's a little bit different in the real world. Yeah. Paul, is there anything else that you would like to leave the listeners with in, in terms of this intuitive movement and programming conversation that we've been having?
0: Um, I think maybe the, the only final thing I would say is if you're really, really interested in, in training in a structured manner, don't discount all the things, you know, already just because you're a beginner, but instead maybe combine them or bring them into this new thing that you're doing, which is training. Um, I think a lot of times people start off something new and they're like, well, I'm an absolute beginner. I know nothing. And then they start doing, you know, whatever practices in this case, we'll talk about strength training. And they, they realize that like, Oh, this can connect to other things that I already do know. And because they're likely already an expert in some facet of their life, there's a lot of lessons and, and, you know, principles and, you know, just, just general um, structure and discipline that can go into, into strength training. So that, that'd be, that'd be the one thing. And then the second thing is, you know, don't have a timeline. um, If you're just starting out, you know, focus more on the act of showing up and just getting in and doing the work and following your program to the best of your ability and paying attention to how your body feels and, and rolling with interruptions and being very quick to get back, you know, into the routine. If you have to take a step back or if you miss a day, if you miss a workout, you know, my big thing is like never miss two days in a row. If I was supposed to do a workout on this day and I miss it, don't miss it the next day like do it, get it done. But again, that's my thing. It doesn't have to be that way for everyone. Don't put additional pressure on yourself in terms of a timeline. Um, but yeah, the worst thing you can do is, is put additional, digital pressure, like a timeline on achieving this goal by this time, instead of just focusing on the process of showing up and doing the work.
1: Awesome. Very well said. I, uh, I definitely agree with all of that. All right, Paul, well, thank you very much for coming on and having this chat. It's been awesome as always. And if people are interested in learning more about you or uh, learning more about training with you, where could they go to get that information?
0: Yeah. So, um, I'm again, thank you for having me on. This is, this has been great. Um, I think it's a topic that you could, we can have a much longer discussion about and still not, <laughs> still not really scratch the surface of, uh, of what people can actually, what people need to know about this stuff. Um, but yeah, as far as where to find me I'm pretty easy to find, um, it's Paul on Instagram, same name on Facebook. Um, and yeah, please reach out. Like I'm always happy to answer questions and, and, uh, help people figure out where they, where they need to to be or where they want to go, um, or just just chat. Like if you want to talk about the latest Mandalorian episode. I'm totally cool doing that too.
1: <laughs> Love it! <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Paul. Thanks, Casey. Thanks so much for listening to How Do You Feel. If you're enjoying what you're hearing. Please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Rate and review the podcast. Those ratings and reviews really do go a long way. I appreciate them all so much. Better yet, share the podcast with a friend or family member that you think would benefit from the messages that we talk about on how do you feel. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I hope everyone has a great week. And as always, remember, get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.